Welcome to the Get Transformed podcast, where we transform the journey of Jewish divorce from hellish to healing. We're your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm David. And we've both personally navigated the challenges of divorce in the Jewish world. We started this podcast when we each found that while there's often a lot of community support and education for things like child rearing and marriage, there's a real gap of support for people in our community going through divorce. We're also both Jewish educators, coaches, and healers. So we're offering practical tools, perspectives, and real life examples from our own clients that will change your challenging experience of divorce into an opportunity to transform your life in powerful and beautiful ways. Join us as we delve into a new topic each week, answering real life questions and sharing parts of our journey with you all. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, David. Hello, Ellie. Hello, audience. Wherever you may be, welcome, welcome. Nice we have an amazing you. topic for you today. I beat you to it, Ellie. <laughs> well, in that case, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? Topic is, am I a failure for getting divorced? Not me, but all of us. That's right. You too. Are you a failure for getting divorced? It is something that I believe all of us encounter. Um, having gone through divorce at some point or other, whether it's a major fixture of your mindset, whether it's a fleeting thought, but it all crosses our mind. We all have to grapple with it. Now that we've gotten divorced or about to get divorced or in the process of getting divorced, did we fail? Did we fail at marriage? Did we fail at life? And we want to kind of dive into it. It's kind of was brought up in a, an Instagram live we had, and uh, we just thought it was worthy of a little bit more attention because it definitely is a universal, a challenge to grapple with internally. Yeah, I think it's really one of the tropes or the ideas out there around divorce that if you get divorced, you failed at marriage. Um, you failed to be a good partner. Um, and that part of the fear of telling people that you're getting divorced is this perception that, oh, you sucked at one of the most important jobs in the world. Um, so, and I think that exists, you know, in the secular world, but I think it exists maybe even more a little bit in the Jewish world because marriage is such a pillar of the community, you know, marriage, family, um, <clears throat> this idea that one of the things that we're supposed to be doing is having a great marriage. Yeah, the building block of the Jewish people is a Jewish family. Um, it's the cornerstone all the way back from Jacob, you know, in the book of Exodus, the introduction to the books, the book of Exodus is Jacob coming down with his family to Egypt. Rabbi Hirsch says like, that is the building block of the Jewish people is the Jewish family. And so when you have a breakdown of that building block, um, it really has a lot of, um, um, it's a lot of kind of things ascribed to it, mm. you know? failure you really you didn't you didn't do the right thing um there's just a lot of guilt shame involved with that and whenever there's guilt and shame that's where we come along to shine some sunlight on <laughs> the, the shame shame lives in darkness if you have sunlight it's very hard to have shame so we want to kind of bring it out to the open air the air, air the dirty laundry so to speak even though it might not necessarily be dirty when we look at it properly and just kind of you know opening up the topic for discussion Awesome. Okay. So I guess I think where we should start is, you know, all my students and my clients know me, like I always say, okay, can we just define our terms? What are we talking about? When we talk about success and we talk about failure, 
what is the rubric that we're using to measure success or failure? I think the rubric we used to use was longevity, um, which I think is problematic on, on multiple levels. But would you agree that's that's generally where we go? It's definitely the, the um, kind of un, un, uh, let's say the simplified version. You know, when you see someone having their 50th wedding anniversary, you're like, ah, oh, they made it. They did it. They got there. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a very two-dimensional um, lens through which we measure success or failure at this thing called marriage. Yeah, I think um, there's such a such an idea out there. You know, you ha see these interviews sometimes with older couples where, you know, we've been married for 60 years. And how did you do it? Well, I just said yes to everything that she asked me, or I just ignored them every time they did this. And there's a certain idea that like, a long marriage is a successful marriage, um, or a marriage that literally goes till death do us part um, is a success. And I think that that's not always the case if we're defining marriage as something that's in line with our work on ourselves, something that's in line with growth and meaningful, purposeful connection. I think that if you understand the different goals in marriage that have come about through the years, right? You know, what used to be the main goal, which we're going to dive into perhaps a little bit later. What, what the context, historical context for um, marriage was in yesteryear versus today, um, it definitely has a different understanding. You needed essentially marriage to keep you safe um, in order to have a functional, and, and don't get me wrong, I still believe that having two happily married parents um, emotionally well and you know mentally well is the best formula for bringing up children right? that's that's no one's here to argue that fact but there are you know that those was quite a few caveats there right quite a few conditions we love caveats here <laughs> we're actually going to rename our podcast the caveat transform the get, instead the of the get, get caveat <laughs> the caveat transform <laughs> amazing yeah i think historically marriage for women was protection and financial stability because they either weren't allowed to work or they weren't able to necessarily protect themselves it was the only way to get out of your parents house was to get married um, and for men, it was a way of having kids and continuing your line and having legacy. So, it, you know, to really boil it down. And so men and women needed each other in that way. And therefore, they were willing to undergo tremendous discomfort in order to make that system work. Um, and I think we're really just in a different time today. We're in a different time where people can support themselves, where people are able to, you know, have families in lots of different ways. And therefore, when we talk about love, marriage, relationships, we're looking for something more meaningful that isn't necessarily just about survival. Yeah, and it's it's a big reason why people are getting married later. Um, because they're looking for more than just a warm body, right? They're looking for someone who really matches up to them emotionally, uh, mentally, you know, that they have similar interests. You know, there's just a much higher standard of what we're willing to settle for. Right. We're not willing to just, you know what? Hey, I've got a great person for you. They've got a heartbeat and they're the correct gender for you. So why don't you go out on a date? 
Right. You know, we we really, you know, you look at all these dating shows, they're really people are looking for the right one. Now, do we take it to an extreme perhaps? Yeah, probably. Like it's probably, you know, there's there's the the, the pendulum has swung too much to the other direction right now where people don't recognize that there needs to be a little bit more um flexibility and openness you don't have to look for you know the person who wears the same color shoes as you or whatever it may be mm. um but at the same time there is a healthy aspect of it that people are looking for an emotional connection one that's going to work for them and that means that we're looking longer and taking longer to get there and not willing to necessarily stay in a relationship that isn't um mentally or emotionally healthy healthy for us yeah. And I think also something we've talked about in the past is, you know, do you rely on your partner in marriage for all of your needs? And is that really healthy and even reasonable, right? Like, are they the, you know, are they supposed to be your companion, your lover, your financial manager, your psychologist, your, you know, all of those things when really we know it takes, not only does it take a village to raise children, but it also takes a village to support a relationship, to be healthy. You need companionship and friendships with other people um, because otherwise the weight of all of those expectations can easily buckle a relationship. So I think when we talk about success or failure, um, the old template of a successful marriage is one that you're in until you die, um, I think is an old model. And it tends to um, support this idea that when a marriage is over, if you get divorced, you failed at the task. Whereas now I think what you and I are trying to say is, wait a second, what is a successful marriage? And so when it is, um, when a marriage is over, what does that say? What is the actual understanding that is it, is it actually failure or is it something else altogether? Yeah. We mentioned this. And I think in our podcast, our Instagram, we did the other day that back in the day you were in one job for right. your entire life right you worked at a company for 40 years 50 years and that was it you know everything if you, if if you if you look at the way the world functions today you know people change careers every 7 years mm-hmm. not just jobs and it's not because we're um less than the previous generation it's a different world um it's a different way of navigating life. And I would say on average, we take more um, important, we assign more importance to mental health than perhaps previous generations did. We're more aware of mental challenges and mental problems. And we're, we're, we take it much more seriously. You know, a person, you know, I just remember the movies of people who like hated their jobs for like 40 years, but they went every day for 40 years right we're not willing to do that anymore yeah um does that make us worse i don't know i I feel like it means that we're prioritizing our own mental health um differently than they used to um so it's really about taking the one litmus test longevity as like the, the the one kind of determining factor of whether something is successful or not and we're adding in a number of other priorities Mm -hmm. to say you know what there are some other things that need to be um, measured to say, "Hey, does this work for me?" Right. Uh, your your mental health, right? If someone is, um, you know, just getting into a depression, that's not necessarily a success if they stay in the marriage because 
you know what the highest priority is just staying in there for longevity um if someone yeah and, is... that, and that's like not a rubric we apply to any other areas of our life like you don't stay in a living in an apartment or a house that is not good for you that's not healthy for you don't stay in a job that isn't good for you don't stay friends with people who aren't necessarily a good fit for you anymore and this isn't about cut off or saying oh this is toxic and i'm out what we're saying is you over time now we reevaluate and say is this still who am i now what do i need now is this still the right fit for me and can we make this work going forward and if not what do we do now so i think it's a really different why should we apply a different rubric to marriage than we apply to all of the other parts of our lives so i guess if i had to paraphrase what we're how we're defining success or failure what it seems like we're adding into the mix here is success is measured upon numerous factors of failures on numerous factors it's not just one mm -hmm. right and sometimes if you prior over prioritize longevity over the so let's say mental health of the people in the marriage right mm -hmm. their ability to get along and be mentally ha healthy that might be a failure right if you're in a situation where you know what we hate each other we can't stand to be in the same room as each other but for the sake of the kids for the sake of whatever it is we're staying together i don't believe that we would measure that as a success at all that would be a failure so changing our priorities around what makes a successful relationship, what makes an unsuccessful relationship. And therefore your decisions are based around that rather than just did we last? Because let's be honest, it's a, it's a what's it called? A crapshoot. You know, you're all in the dice. You're, you're essentially, you don't know who this person is going to be, who you marry, right? You don't know who they're going to be like in 10 years. You have no idea who you're going to be like in 10 years. Right. So to, to say that you're, you failed at the decision you made when you were in your, you know, twenties or thirties, when, whenever, however you old, when you got married to say that you failed at that decision, right? You know what? You made a decision when you were 27 and uh, 37, whatever it is. And 10 years later, it turns out that you're no longer a match, right? How right. could that be a failure? You have no idea how you are going to change, what life's going to throw in your direction, what's going to life going to throw in their direction. And so it really is an unfair thing to assume that just because you made a decision when you were younger of who you thought was going to be the right fit for you, that that's a failure when it turns out to not be accurate five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, whatever it may be, because people aren't static life isn't static. And so to understand, you know what, I'm a human being. I made the best decision I could at the time. They made the best decision they could at the time. And now that decision has to be reevaluated because both of us have changed. And what was once the right move for us is no longer the right move for us. And I think that's such a great way to start to reframe it, especially because this idea, you know, not only just failure, but this idea, did I make a mistake marrying this person in the first place? Um, and I think that also can come up under the rubric of seeing this as a failure. And, you know, I think it's so important what you're saying, which is you made the best decision that you could make at the time based on who you were, based on who they were, based on what you guys talked about or didn't talk about in terms of going forward. Um, and to really allow ourselves to let ourselves off the hook, which I think goes back to one of the second or third episodes we did on self-trust, right? Getting divorced can be a real rocking experience in terms of, can I actually trust myself to make good decisions? 
Um, and I think if we look back and and give ourselves some compassion and rebuild a piece of those parts of that self-trust, to look at the marriage and say, I made a mistake or look at the marriage and say, I failed um, is just too narrow of a lens to look at what is such a complex situation that involves a lot of moving parts, including your own self-growth and your own changes and your own experiences. Um, and I wanted to also just throw in that I, we're not saying that longevity isn't important, that it shouldn't be one rubric. Commitment is important. And sometimes you build something over time. Um, but longevity shouldn't be the only measure, I think, is what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to add on to what you were saying, the forgiveness factor, you know, for yourself is, is a major, we've said, we've said this before, but just to yeah. put it in here, part of part of not looking at this as a failure is forgiving yourself for, you know, who you are today and the, the you know, the growth that you've had is actually often due to the marriage that you had, right? Whether it's, um, you know, because of a positive growth between the two of you or the negative outcomes that, that, that force you into a growth situation. So, you know, your decision that you made today with more maturity and more clarity isn't necessarily, um, contradicting your previous decision it's almost uh just the next step forward so forgiving yourself for not knowing everything that you know today then you know i think there's a someone i follow on instagram had a great analogy for um you know when they looked at their baby in utero they had a picture of the baby and um you know it was an image of you know, the face right and now the baby's born and they look at the baby's face today and they can totally see, oh, I can totally see that baby in the, in the in utero. But there was no way, you know, when the baby was still inside the tummy that they could have recognized that face. There's no way. But now that they have the new information, now they have this, this much clearer picture, they can't unsee that. And so like, well, how could I not see it then? Right? Like, right. we look well, at our problems I, today with I, this clarity. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? You look back and you're going, oh, that's how all that fit together. Right, and we and we think just how, how could I have not seen it? That's because you know everything you know today. You didn't know all that then, right. and so um, yeah, every everyone was doing the best they could, or else you know we, we don't make decisions that are out there to purposely self sabotage ourselves. So that's a little bit of an introduction. Um, it was quite a long introduction, but um, <laughs> I want to ask a question that you know might help us frame this a little bit. You know, is staying in a bad marriage better or worse than getting divorced? Is staying in a bad marriage better or worse than getting divorced? Meaning that's really, if, if you're looking at failure, quote unquote, right? So what's the bigger failure? Is the bigger failure getting divorced, right? Which is kind of the, the, where, the starting point. Or is, this, or is the failure actually staying in a bad marriage? And sure, there is a, <clears throat> there is a third option making the marriage better and work right um and for anyone who's gone through a divorce i think they'll tell you they tried mm -hmm. like the, 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 we're, we're like you know people i think have this misnomer that you know oh it's, it's the throwaway generation you know something doesn't work we throw it away right um and anyone with children i believe you know i, I can't speak to people without without children it's a different situation but when you have children involved people are trying their best to, to do everything they can to make this work they 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 know they know it's going to be rough on the kids they're not they're not we're not this like you know caricature people who just like you know 
oh well i've thrown i've used this uh this ipod it's, uh, you know it's done i'm gonna throw it away i've used this marriage i'm gonna throw it away we've got children lives in, in in our hands here and we're trying our best to do the best thing for them and we recognize this is not a good thing for them to have a broken marriage it's rough uh, and it's hard as we've mentioned in the last 16 episodes mm-hmm. this is really hard stuff so obviously making it better is the ideal option but if you find that you cannot which is better to stay in a bad marriage or to get divorced that, that's kind of like the, the paradigm um I, I feel personally my my inclination is that it's actually a failure to stay in a bad marriage because of all the harm it does to everyone involved yeah i think the question of you know is this a failure is also like well failing who and failing what so it may well be that um, staying in the marriage is failing your to stand for yourself, to fail to heal and move towards something healthier for everybody. So um, staying in a marriage that will not be able to heal and get healthy is also a type of failure. Yeah, I think, you know, we have this, this paradigm of... Um... this paradigm within Judaism of mistakes, right? Sin in, in Judaism is this idea of the word hate, which essentially is the same word as when you're firing an arrow at a target and you miss the target. Right. So if you talk about, you know, divorce in that context, you did your best, you aim your arrow and you missed. Okay. That's not a failure. It was a mistake. It was a perhaps, um, However, I think that a lot of the Jewish world has this um, massive, it's, I think it's more, it's like you said, it's much more uh, stigmatized as like, oh, this person failed. Everyone else is, is in it, is in it, making it work. And you're the one who failed, right? right. We don't want to really want to have anything to do with you. Like we talked about this, uh, this idea of contagion um, about divorce. So yeah, it's rough to have this kind of healthy version of mistake, and then this unhealthy paradigm of, you know, divorce. So it's challenging. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that projection from other people, like, oh, you're a giver-upper, right? Oh, you're a person that just wouldn't hang in there to try to make it work. Um, and I think that comes along with that failure projection from other people, which, to be honest, I, I think comes from, people's own struggles like I'm in here slogging it out trying to make it work how come you get to just get out right and Mm. and I think that that is a real trigger for people because it opens up the option that there is another way when they're really just trying to hang in for dear life and make this marriage work Um, and again I think that um, there is an aspect to marriage which is important to work and try to make it work and to do the hard stuff and to make the commitment and to learn and grow. But there are situations where moving forward in the healthiest path will be to end this relationship the same way it is to sometimes leave a job, leave a home, leave a city, um, you know, change friends, change schools, whatever it is. Um but I think that you there's often this perception that, oh, if you're ending a marriage, you're giving up. And um, and it's definitely not, um, you know, it's definitely not usually the choice, especially as you said, when you have kids, you're not in a position where you can give up 
on yourself or your family um, or any of those things. What you're trying to do is I, find the best way forward. I know of a relationship in the community where there's an abusive relationship, toxic, a toxic, you know, one of the, one of them, I don't want to say male or female, one of them is, you know, very, let's just say controlling. Yeah. And the other, the other spouse is aware that this is a toxic situation and knows that it is absolutely not a good relationship and will not become a good relationship. And they are simply waiting to get the kids to a certain age because they believe that if they were to get divorced, it would be very financially challenging. Right. And so. And it is. Like, let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think we're just, we're putting it out here that number one, emotions need to be taken into account here. If you're in a situation where the parents are just at each other's throats or they, they are, you know, have an inability to navigate conflict yeah. and the children are exposed to that on a, on a consistent basis, what paradigm are they now carrying with them for the rest of their life about what a marriage should look like? Right. As opposed to if the, that couple say, you know what, we're not, this is not working for us. We're not in, a, in a, have, we don't have an ability to navigate this in an emotionally healthy way. Let's get divorced um, so that we can provide a calm home individually each of us for our children is that is that the the the, the better decision i believe it is um I, I believe that you know when children grow up in in environments where there's constantly uh arguing going on they're not in a an emotionally safe place that they're you know the cortisol in their system is just constantly peaking they're they're literally it stunts their growth it it will leave them having this um, false paradigm of how relationships are meant to function. So a lot of trauma that we talk about in families is because people are perpetuating the same emotional dynamics that they had growing up in. You know, you had an abusive father or an alcoholic father, and now without any change in the environment, they're just going to repeat that same thing. And we talk about breaking the intergenerational trauma Divorce sometimes is it really good at breaking intergenerational trauma of, of right. the parents saying, you know what, this is not right for me. I need to change. I need to take action in order to make sure that this doesn't just continue um, the script from the last 10 generations. Yeah. So par- the paradigm of divorce being a failure can actually be the exact opposite. It's it's the, f- the first success at re-scripting what is going on in the lives of the people involved. Right. There's this idea of like the buck stops here, right? For generations and generations, my family have been in unhappy marriages and just stuck them out till death do us part. And do I really want that for my kids? Do I want to pass, be a link in that chain um, to continue that, you know, pattern throughout the next five generations? Um, And, you know, it can be a really uncomfortable decision to make. And it's hard to be a pattern breaker, But sometimes, you know, you give your kids the opportunity then to see their parents in a relationship that is potentially healthier, more fulfilling. You see your parents stepping into a situation where they are choosing for themselves to be um, more regulated and more stable. Um, That's a huge gift to give your kids. It's a, you know, it's a, a gift that comes with a lot of difficulty, a lot of change and a lot of challenge. 
But in the end, you see a happier marriage. I mean, I can just say for myself, you know, both of my parents, my parents um, are divorced and in far happier relationships than they were with each other. And it's a big thing for to be able to see that um, and go, wow, actually, you know, they could have done that earlier. <laughs> they, you know, why'd they wait so long? They could have done that earlier and really like have, you know, created something that we could have grown up in. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of good things about that. Again, it's it's not ideal and it's not easy, um, but there are definitely ways to understand that where you get to model for your kids something wholly different than what you're modeling for them right now in a relationship that isn't working. Yeah, and this really speaks to, I think, the foundation of this podcast, um, which is divorce can be a tremendous opportunity for transforming yourself, hence the get transformed, um, from, you know, an emotional, mental health kind of perspective, you really can take this opportunity to become a different human being in a really positive, beautiful way. And so I think that to me, that really is the, the, the litmus test of failure or success. If I had to like give one is, I, is this decision that you're making, is it prompting you to have more growth, to have more um, happiness and mental health? Is it making you into more the person who you want to be or the opposite? Mm -hmm. And I think that goes true in marriage and in divorce, right? Is this marriage turning me into a person who I like better? Uh, is this marriage helping me grow and become a better human being? If that's true, then that's a successful marriage. If it's not true, then the successful move in that instance would be to say, you know what, I need for the purpose of my health and my children's health to actually end this. It's not a failure to end it. It's just an ending, right? Relationships end. Friendships end. Relationships end. That's part of life. It happens to be if you make the decision with the intention to grow from this from this decision, then it's not a failure at all. It's a wonderful success. And I think that the people that we are interacting with really are choosing to transform through their divorce and build themselves more self-love, more self-regulation, more compassion for themselves and for the people around them. I know myself, I've become a much more compassionate, calm, patient father through my divorce um, you know, I, I was trying for years to improve in certain areas that only really um, were able to transform through the gift of the divorce. And it's a paradigm shift. It's not a simple one to look at divorce as a gift, as an opportunity, but it really is the paradigm that we have been focused on the entire the entire series. Yeah, I I think there's an aspect to the choice to get divorced that's difficult for other people because in many ways the pain of a marriage that's difficult is hidden. You're not often out there talking to everybody about how challenging your relationship is, not publicly. And I think this idea that people will look at a divorce and say like, oh, that's a failure. It's like looking at an artist and saying, oh, they're a, a quote unquote overnight success. 
but we don't see like all of the work and time and practice that went into getting them to the place where they could suddenly be in the right place at the right moment with the right person to break through and suddenly everybody you know knows who they are it's the same i think with divorce i think a lot of people first of all are surprised in, when in they're reverse. Yeah, in reverse, like that, that there's been a lot of, but there's also been a lot of pain and often a lot of work done on the relationship to try to make it work before people decide to get divorced. They've seen counselors, they've been in therapy, they've worked on different things, they've tried different things. I know people who went out of their way to try all kinds of creative solutions to make it work. And people don't see that because it's not like that's what we're talking about publicly. But what people do see is, oh, it's over. And they kind of have an idea that, oh, they just, you know, it got hard and they dropped it. And therefore, it, you know, it's a failure or a giving up. But what they're not seeing is all the years of hidden work that we're going into this being the last step in a very, very long process of choices and work that are being done to try to make this relationship work. And I think that that's often also what what people forget is that they didn't see the years where this couple were trying to make it work. What they do end up seeing is the, the moment where they decide to end it. I would just like to add for anyone out there who hasn't had this um, attempt to make it work, let's say one spouse, um, for whatever reason, it could be something as black and white as infidelity. It could be something, um, an internal switch has happened and they just decided to give up, right? The person's like, I'm out, I'm out. Whether, whether you're that person or whether you're on the receiving end of that, of that situation, mm -hmm. that can sometimes be a little bit harder to receive because you're like, but I'm still willing to work at it, right? I'm still willing to put in the hard work and that, yeah. that can have a personal failure perspective. And so just to say to those people that, it, you know, life, you know, just like God can take a loved one from us, you know, at any point in time, it's a very similar kind of headspace of like stuff happens to you that you really don't have necessarily control over. Mm -hmm. And it's not a failure when stuff like that happens to you. It's not that you decided that this is what should happen to your life for some reason fate god whatever what how whatever your perspective is something has happened that you need to now navigate and the way that you're navigating it is the success or failure right. right the way that you choose to interact with it um can determine what you know when you're looking back in time how how are you going to look at this moment in time and there'll be ups and there'll be downs and you might fall to pieces and all the rest of it but ultimately when you take the next step forward, that's the success. Um, you know, yeah, just thought I'd put that out there because not everyone is is having this scenario that we're talking about where they went to counseling for three years and they worked on it. Sometimes someone says, you know what, I'm I'm out. And the other person's like, What? What well, like, can't we do something about it? No, I'm not interested. Right. Right. That's that's rough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also think one of the other pieces that, that can play into this discussion of failure is what is your own personal relationship with the idea of failure? Um, you know, are you judging yourself? Are you looking at your life or your choices and saying, I made mistakes or I failed? Um, and are you okay with failure? 
everybody fails, everybody makes mistakes. And I think that, you know, sometimes the process of accepting a divorce experience is also accepting that you're not perfect and that your life isn't perfect. And that no matter what you do, sometimes it will go in a totally different direction than what you think it's going to go in. Um, and so I think examining our own relationship, even when we do feel that sense of failure may be coming from other people, can we ourselves come to terms with our own relationship with failure and understand um, failure as a part of, of growth rather than yeah, um, expecting it is, to be is, perfect? Perfectionism, I think, is a, um, you know, I grew up thinking of perfectionism vis-a-vis um schoolwork right mm. i thought perfectionism is like when like when you produce something right so a perfectionist is someone who like makes sure that everything's exactly right there's neat writing handwriting that like the, the you know there's a sticker in the right spot and <laughs> i never related to that kind of perfectionism right i was like i don't have perfectionism i don't mind doing sloppy work in school like you know mishmash of whatever um and i didn't recognize the perfectionism can be applied very selectively to specific areas and usually perfectionism is applied to the area that you have the most anxiety about right the area that you have the most fear about mucking up that's where perfectionism will come as an attempt to avoid the fear right so you are worried that um, everyone in school will hate you so you become the class you know, the best person in class, whatever, I don't, whatever the example is, wherever you have the biggest fear. So for myself, I didn't recognize it until, until, you know, way down the line that my own perfectionism was, was in relationships that you know, the fear of losing a relationship caused me to try to be the perfect husband, friend, whatever it may be. And so navigating perfe- perfectionism doesn't want to have any mistakes. And so you're, if you make a mistake, ooh, do you beat yourself up so much for that? Because mm-hmm. you're attempting to avoid all that fear and pain of the relationship breakup. That's what perfectionism is, a shield. But what it's stopping you from doing is really connecting to yourself and really connecting to the other people around you. Because when you have the perfectionism up, you're essentially not being you. You're twisting yourself into a pretzel to be what you need to be for everyone else around you. And you're not learning how to listen to yourself you're not learning how to show up for yourself you're not learning how to make mistakes and accept them right you can't accept if there's a mistake in the relationship there's no way you can accept blame for that because that's just like um life or death right so there's just so many angles of perfectionism um trips you up and this this failure can sometimes kind of break that shell a little bit and allow Mm -hmm. you to say oh wow okay i'm a human i make mistakes and it's okay. And I don't have to come be this perfect, whatever I am to the rest of the world. So it's a, yeah, perfectionism and failure are things that are absolutely opposite spectrums. You can't handle them together. And so sometimes that sometimes the failure quote unquote can help you break through the perfectionism if you allow it. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to sort of wrap this up because then we can say, you know, if there were failures, you know, did you fail to, did you fail to listen to yourself in the relationship? Because if you're in perfectionist mode, sometimes it's very hard for you to recognize um, where there were issues in the relationship. 
because you're upholding a certain shield of perfection. Um, so, you know, when we talk about failure, could we switch the narrative to, you know, did I fail to hear myself or stand up for myself in the relationship? Did I fail to set good boundaries or communicate clearly? Um, were we, you know, did we fail to be clear when we got married? Um, about what we really want for ourselves in our lives. And um, can we switch over the paradigm for divorce rather than being about um, the failure is in your ability to keep going, um, but can we have a paradigm for divorce that can be about growth or change or moving forward in a much healthier way? Awesome. All right, to so all those fellow fellow failures out there, <laughs> we see you. <laughs> we uh we're with you we we uh we uh we fight against the label we're 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 not we're not failures we're you're only a failure if you if you give up ultimately if you grow if you change if you adapt if you show up for yourself and for your children then in my mind that's the biggest success you can be yeah i love that and i think i would add that um the only failure of divorce would be as if you fail to use the experience to become a better you and to create a better life and to rebuild uh, going forward to something that is healthier and happier. Um, okay. I think that's Fantastic. our episode for today. Um, yeah, a reminder to give us a like or whatever it is that you do on your podcasts. If you haven't already, we've had, we have hundreds of listeners and only a few people have taken the effort to rate us and write a comment or whatever it may be. So please do so. We'd love you to do so. Check us out on our websites, elibass.com mm -hmm. and davidrosenthalcoaching.com. So I'd love to see you guys. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you have an idea for an episode or a question for either David or myself, don't hesitate to reach out or you can leave us a voice message. The link for that is in the liner notes. If you think you know someone who could benefit from any of our information, ideas, tools, or conversations, please go ahead and share this podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on whatever podcast app you're using. And please leave us a rating and a review so anyone who is trying to find us can do so more easily. Remember, you're not alone. You got this. And we're all working together to get transformed. Bye for now.